Welcome back to the Shine Like Stars podcast. I'm here again with Matthew Shuckman. Uh, how are you Hello. doing today, Matt? Doing all right. How are you doing? Doing good. So 2021 was a you know great year of movies, I think. Much better than 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what it, overall, what were your thoughts on 2021 as a, in the film world? Uh, it's interesting because I think while we kind of kicked off the beginning of the year still, you know, while we weren't going back to theaters as much, but we were still kind of getting into seeing some stuff it felt like the second half of the year was 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 really like backloaded with a lot with a lot of releases that were should have been coming out a year ago two years ago at this point a lot you know and then they were held off um and so everything kind of seems like every year on anything is always going to be people are going to re remember the stuff they saw the most recent the most mm -hmm. but i feel that there was a lot of stuff that came throughout the year the beginning of the year that was also, you know, really good, but didn't kind of get enough attention. So I, I kind of, you know, have a hard time still, even in my own in my own head, figuring out how I thought the year went because I'm I'm still thinking it's like oh, it feels like three months when we had a whole year here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was just a long year in general. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So to start off, you know, start off with the negatives. I guess. Uh, do you want to, you know, bounce some of your just your? Uh, I guess you could say the worst movies of the year in your opinion, <laughs> or you want to say disappointing. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I don't I, I'm not going to say disappointing because I didn't have any high hopes for it. <laughs> and uh, I know nobody I know everybody agrees with me. But I if anybody want to hunt everybody, I don't know if we talked about this already, but if anybody wants to hunt down, I did a review for M. Night Shyamalan's Old with uh, with Perry Nemera from uh, from Collider. We, we talked about it together and we were just so angry about it. We actually said that right, we're going to split this up. So there's our review followed by like a 40 minute spoiler talk because i just had we just, i just had a rant and rave about how awful <laughs> this, this, this was and i was so confused by why certain choices were made um and but it's one of those things where like it's just, i'm just so adamant about how much i hate it mm. that, that in some ways i feel like i should praise it at the same in the same breath because it's just like anything i used to always say like the best reviews i've ever written and the most creative and well-written ones i'd honestly say are the ones i dislike um, so I, I, I have to give it, I have to give it some credit, I guess, in that matter, but that was just, oh my God. Well, first of all, I got to check that out. Cause you know, Perry Nemiroff's a great, I love her reviews and stuff. So I'll have to check that. Is that on podcast or is that YouTube? No, that's on cinema daily us. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I honestly, it's, that was a funny one. Cause I don't remember much about it. Uh, I mean, it, it was a great, it was a weird year for Vicky Kripes cause she starred in that and then was in Bergman Island, which I think we'll talk about a little bit. I'll talk about a little bit later I don't sure. know about your list. Um, but that was a uh, old was yeah, quite dreadful. <laughs> uh, do you have any other ones that you wanted to name? Well, you know, there are movies I'm, I'm not going to say bad now too, and I'm not going to say disappointed, but there are movies that I felt you know, get a lot of praise and, you know, are in, are in the running for best picture of the year for a lot of people or for the awards that, you know, I enjoyed and I thought it great, but I, I don't, I didn't think they're as highly as other people did. You know, for instance, Power of the Dog, I really enjoy. It's a kind of in my top 10 list when I have to do a full top 10 for people because my full list really doesn't go to 10, honestly, for films that really blew me away this year. Um, but it's because of what Shane Campion did, it is so well put together. It's just more so that like a lot of things, when you when you hit yourself a little too too hard on the nose, yeah. I'm, I'm a little less inclined to to be fully on board okay yeah no that's fair and that's that is one on 
on my list, so we'll talk about that more. But I, I think I did put a list together uh, earlier for the website. I think it was last week. And some of the ones I had on there were kind of just... I, I, I don't know if it was expectations. Like, I do have Black Widow on there. Now, granted, mm -hmm. I did say most disappointing, but that was just because I just... I couldn't buy into anything in there. And it also bothers me because with Black Widow, everybody says, you know, she's arguably the most useless Avenger in a lot of ways, right? She doesn't have a superpower or even flaming arrows or whatever Hawkeye has. And yeah. all of a sudden in this movie, you know, I liked some of the hand-to-hand -hand combat. Then all of a sudden at the end, she's jumping out of planes, fighting people midair. And I'm just like, well, where the hell was this during Infinity War? <laughs> and, you know, you're off, you know, jumping off cliffs. I get it. But <laughs> I think with Black Widow, I mean, I liked uh, Florence Pugh's character, but... Other than that, I didn't really, you know, I sat there and with same with Eternals. That's another one on there. That I just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's a that's one that gets your attention. Yeah. Eternals. So talk about uh, that. Well, I mean, I, was, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because, again, I don't go, I, I try not to go in with a lot of expectations. The only time I can be disappointed, I would say, is when I do catch something that I'm like, that does look interesting. I'm really kind of drawn toward it and I go in and, of course, it's not what I expected. But Eternals is just on the O's. Oh, oh, what a mess. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I guess one that, you know, kind of went in with that same thing where it's like, I didn't really go in with the expectations, but I saw Dear Evan Hansen. Why? Um, don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's more so Caitlin Deaver than anything, but that was just a pretty, I, that, that's well, one where it's, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I I, I was, I, I saw Dear Evan Hansen too. I didn't actually cover it, but I went to the screening mainly because, and I had never seen the Broadway musical, but my brother's dear friend, actually uh rachel ba rachel, <laughs> rachel bay jones who actually won the tony for playing his mother in the play mm. you know she 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 played his mother in the play and she won a tony for it so i'm like well i have to go see it now so i can say oh i saw it and you know too bad she wasn't there you know or whatever it was so like i kind of did it for for, for that just to kind of see it at least so i i knew what was going on so if, if, we, if it comes up in conversation i'll know what to talk about <laughs> well i'm sure it won't um, but um but yeah so i guess that you know that covers just some of the bad i mean i didn't want to focus too much on that but it is i think talking about the year of 2021 it's always important to uh, kind of bring you know some of those but then in terms of you know maybe just a couple of uh honorable mentions because uh, we're going to talk about maybe seven of our top movies sure. of the year um but do you want to name some that just just missed the cut maybe well i'm i'm it's funny too because i say just missed the cut uh, in certain ways, but I do think this is actually one of, this is definitely, I would consider top 10. It's just that depending on how I feel, it could be maybe a little less one day or maybe not as important one day, but it's, and it finally just came out because I saw it back when it came out in Tribeca, which is The Novice, which is Lauren Hathaway's directorial debut. And, and she also wrote the film, which I, I think needs more attention than it's been getting. And is just absolutely, I mean, I know Isabel Furman's name is in, in the running for possibly get, you know, pulling out, surprise nominations for best actress, actress which she should because she was incredible in the movie um but i put it more as an honorable mention because i don't know how much depending on what day you talk to me if it actually goes in my top 10 or not but right now it kind of is it's kind of like the what 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 hits the end of the bottom yeah well one okay so then one i i actually haven't i haven't seen that one but um one that i put was where i met you and that was last night in soho um you know i think <laughs> That is actually where where we. Well, met. we'll talk about it again later because that's in my top ten. Okay, okay. <laughs> or yeah, my no. top seven, five, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's top seven. Um, but you know, it was interesting. I I really enjoyed it uh, watching it, and then, and I was really I, I maybe it just speaks to my IQ, but I, when the twist came around, I was actually shocked upon watching it. You know, it didn't okay. hit me. Yeah. But then thinking about it more, I was thinking maybe it's just because 
the world that Edgar Wright built was so interesting to me. I was so caught up in the music and the sets that mm. maybe it was more so that than really, because I think really, if you think about the twist, it was set up pretty early. And I think it's it's not that hard to figure out. Well, um, I'll, I'll, that's the thing. I'll, I'll wait till we get back into talking about it because I'll yeah. bring that up. So, but I will also say that I guess another, I just, it came back into my head because I almost forgot about it. Now that I was about to say it, I've forgotten again. Because um, I did have another honorable mention, which was, um, I, I all of a sudden my brain has frozen, Andrew. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. Uh, you talked about it, and then you said something, and it, it sparked in my mind, and now I don't remember what it is. So we'll move on, and if I remember, I'll bring it up. Yeah, just blurt it out if you remember. Um, but do you have any other? Uh, well, do you have any that you remember that you want to? No, yeah, I mean there was one. Oh, I really want to remember what it was because it was <laughs> it was like the perfect honorable mention type of movie, and I forgot. All right, so you. You met me. That's where you met me in last night in Soho. Uh, you were so, oh oh uh mm, no. I it's I it's I've lost it. I'm so sorry. I've lost oh, no. it. I should have written it down. I'm a moron. <laughs> oh, okay. just two seconds ago, and I've already suddenly forgotten. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> if I see you writing down, I'll figure that's what you're. <laughs> yes. Uh, <writing> down. <laughs> um, I, did you see uh, Riders of Justice this year? I did not. No. That oh oh. Yeah. I I I was supposed to. Because I was supposed to do interviews, and then when they didn't happen, I ended up like, oh, I'll skip it, I'll catch it later, and I never caught up and caught it. Okay, well, it's on Hulu. I recommend that one. That one just kind of got bumped out of my overall list. Um, I love the, I, I don't know, Danish movies with Mads Mikkelsen are great. You know, it's there's <laughs> something about them that it's so, like, I found Riders of Justice so funny, and it wasn't stuff that's, it, like, we wouldn't find it funny, but in American movies, I feel like we'd kind of butcher it. There's, like, a, there's a bit about a barn that I won't spoil, but it's okay. so mundane that it's, like, it's not even, like, really supposed to be, I don't know if it's supposed to be as funny as it is, but I was laughing with the delivery of, of the joke, and, I mean, it's supposed to be funny, but I was, like, on the ground. I showed it to my dad, thinking he might not like something that dry, and he thought it was hilarious, so, um, <laughs> and I just love Mads Mikkelsen. I think he scared me as a kid, you know, watching the Casino Royale. Mm. Uh, you know, that was the first thing I think I've seen him in, but now seeing him in that in another round and watching some of his other, like the hunt stuff like that, he's, he's really one of the best, you know, actors, not in chaos walking. I will say that was a, a another one I missed, but I'll, I'll live. <laughs> there, are a lot, there is a lot I missed this year, I should say, but you know, I've tried to catch up as best I can. Yeah. Well, I remember you missed the antler screening, uh, the day we saw Soho <laughs> lucky. You. Well, I didn't miss it more so than I just woke up late. Well, that is missing it. <laughs> that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one more honorable mention for me, at least is I did put Spider-Man no way home. Uh, mm. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest movie ever made, but in terms of it did bring out like a joy. I mean, I might've said this in our review of it, but I, I feel like I've become so cynical with these comic book movies. Cause so many of them are just like, so, eh, you know, like, you mean, you know, Eternals and Black Widow don't get me started. But, I mean, the Suicide Squad was great this year. I enjoyed that, too. But Spider-Man, like, finally made me feel like a kid again. Um, mm. Maybe it's nostalgia, nostalgia and all that. But I also think the ending was really something that I saw, I think, two more times. My sister and I went, and then my I took my dad. And all the times, it just, you know, tears at the end. And that's just not something that Marvel's made me do since I, I, I can remember. So I, I have to give it yeah. credit for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I almost put it in like the disappointment uh, file because, again, not saying about the movie because I enjoyed the movie. Um, but the more I thought about it recently, the more I was a little upset that they could have went. I thought they could have went harder on the more serious aspect of what they were trying to say. And they missed I think they missed an opportunity to be a little even a little more grounded and a little more real with it that uh, could have meant something for a lot of people, I think. Um, so that's why I kind of think in, in certain ways, disappointment, again, not 
as the film as a whole, which is why I kind of left yeah. it out in general. But I, I recently I was starting thinking about it more. It kind of started to seep into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty of films. You know, you thought about it, uh, you know, it, it, it lingered at least, you know, at least it was there. Yes. It wasn't, I'm sure Eternals was a one-time viewing and then you kind of <laughs> moved on. Um, but, and then one more honorable mention I just wanted to mention was uh, the French dispatch. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, uh, to be honest, but watching it again, I did enjoy it. My dad wanted to go see it. And uh, I don't know how you felt about it. Searchlight said, well, that's actually, yeah, that's like, that's more of a, that's definitely fits into more of a disappointment thing. Because again, I I love Wes Anderson. I've been following him since he started. I've been following since Bottle Rocket. Um, And it's not like I disliked it, but I found it very disappointing. I think it's, I actually may think it's one of his worst efforts personally, Mm. um, because I think that it's come to a point where his style has been overmatched by anything else. And people just expect to see that. And it's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's fun and it's quirky at times, but I, I don't know if we talked about this one point or another. I, I've talked about it with a lot of people, but I think what either people forget or didn't realize was that his first three films, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, and Royal Tenenbaums, do you know who co-wrote those three films with him? I do remember you said this. It was Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah. it's Owen Wilson. Yeah. And they were the best and most yeah. well-put-together actual stories. Mm-hmm. And after that, he's had films that still didn't have bad stories, but they were never the same. And, and, I, and I think that this, yeah, the French Dispatch came to the point where it's, it, 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 could, it couldn't hold my interest, honestly. Uh, which also reminds me of another honorable mention. I apologize because no, this is not the one I was thinking about earlier, but another honorable mention should be Mass, which oh, is yeah. a really great movie, but it's such a such a hard downer that I don't know if I really consider it the... It's, it's Again, it's a performance piece in essence, so I don't know if I consider it the best a best film in the top 10, but it's definitely an honorable, honorable mention because of that. Yeah, I, I know it's on VOD, so I, I meant to maybe rent it. Um, but uh, And yeah, with the French Dispatch, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree it is... Uh, it does feel like style over substance, but there's something just so like... Uh, you know, it's just so comforting to watch, but I do agree. I, it's not like the stories necessarily helped me. I think yeah. honestly, they all went on a little too long. <laughs> so, like by the time the third one came around, I was like, I don't know if I want to sit through another one. It, it ended yeah. up being pretty funny. Uh, but thank you, Searchlight, for sending it to me, uh, the digital <laughs> code. I will rewatch it. Um, but yeah, so any other uh, honorable mentions you want to point out? I really want to remember the one I was talking about <laughs> earlier because it was like perfect. I just, I just can't really remember. Maybe it'll be something in your list and I'll be like, oh, that was it. Maybe. Uh, I mean, but, if you said uh, I mentioned it, I mean, or it's... Well, no, it wasn't. No, it's just something you said made me think of it. It's something I forgot about. Okay. And something you said made me think about it, but I just cannot remember what that was now. So okay. Well, hopefully it comes back to you. But in the meantime, we'll start with our uh, seven, you know, the... So, I mean, so we have seven, right? I'm, I'm sorry if I... I yeah, absolutely, yeah. Seven. Um, do you want to start with your seventh first? Now, do you want... Here's the thing, because I have a hard time considering what I think my best is uh, like I, I'm putting things in like number order, one, two, three, four, five. I'm just throwing things out there in essence. I'm mean, either okay. alphabetical order. It's just which ones I read off first. This doesn't mean I think one's better than the other. Yeah. But I want to start. I want, I think I want to start with the one that was the biggest surprise to me because um, it's Titan. And I did not, I was one of these people who actually knows. I still have not seen uh, Julia's first film raw. Um, it's one of those ones I always mean to catch up on. I didn't, and I I know a lot of people who friends are big fans of hers and raw, um, are a little less thrilled with Titan, Titan, excuse me. And I don't know what people know about the films. So I don't want to say anything because yeah. again, I don't like knowing things about before I go into a movie. There's only one thing I knew about this movie when, before I went in, it's the, what's people consider the most sensational thing. And so I knew that's what it was going to be about in certain ways, but then when it ended up not being 
kind of about that, but more of almost a MacGuffin in a way. Mm. And where I saw the film was going and I saw how, while even as disturbing, fucked up uh, and grotesque as it could be at times, how kind of funny and had like this air of levity to it at times. And again, where the story went, I had no idea that that was going to happen. I was just so amazed with it. Um, and uh, I'm going to butcher her last name, but as much as attention as uh, Agatha Rousseau is getting for her performance in the film, yeah. I also think that Vincent Linden is kind of being overlooked as a best supporting actor. I think he's, you know, I, I want, I want, he's so beautifully broken in so many ways that I just like that, that man deserves an award for that. Um, and so I, I was, you know, while there were definitely scenes in the film where I was just like, Oh my God, Oh, come on, please. For the most part of it, I was the exact opposite. And I was just totally enthralled with it. Yeah, no. And how did you pronounce it? I'm sorry. I, I must be. Titan. Titan. Okay. Uh, I remember seeing that one. Yeah. And that, uh, the only thing I'll say is that it, the part where she breaks her nose, I don't think that's really much of a spoiler. That really grossed me out. And I uh, I almost Wow, that's the that's the one that oh, okay, because I'm, I'm more yeah. I'm more the hairpin uh, uh yeah, that I won't say anything beyond that for people who haven't seen it. Yes, that was but the, I think it's because in Black Widow they did it too. It's just anytime you break your own nose, it just grosses me out. Any sort of broken bones, you know, I'm so sensitive to that. So well, what what I will say though, and for people who maybe do know what's about the film too, I think the one because I do have certain questions still, even though I've heard a lot of what Julia said about why she made it and what made her the genesis come up for the the, the, the idea of it. And again, it's because it's also a film that at the end of the day is telling a morality, not a morality tale, but it, it, it's its moral theme is is not that different than all these other movies you see. But it, since it's done in such a different way, I'm totally on board with it. But for a film that has this idea of what's happening to her uh, and what's considered body horror to a lot of people, I think because that situation is what she's dealing with actually makes those quote unquote grotesque parts of it easier to watch hmm. because you're not actually seeing blood. And I think for people who kind of have those kind of issues, it actually makes it a little easier to stomach. Huh. For me at least. Case. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting way. I actually, I didn't think about that. I think I was so disturbed by the nose thing that I really, when I got out of the theater, I was like, I don't want to even think about it. It was, it was very well made. And I do think the performances, like you said, I, I, the guy's name, I'm sorry, I can't, Vincent. Vincent um, Linden. Yes, like he is really great. And the, the broken um, sort of performance, it actually reminds me of Nick Cage and Pig. That's not on my list, but that just thought, you know, uh, similar kind of thing. I don't know why that <laughs> popped. Well, I, I will very quickly say, I know that I know I'm ruining the format here already, okay. but because a lot of people have pig in like their top 10, it's going to be a best uh, picture nomination. I didn't dislike pig. I think pig's fine. But if you had, unless you had Liam Neeson instead of Nicolas Cage, unless you have one of those two actors, that movie doesn't work mm. because it's the whole point of everybody expecting it to be the, the unhinged guy going for revenge that you're used to seeing nowadays when he doesn't, that's what makes it. I'm not saying it still doesn't work and it's still not good and it still couldn't yeah. work with other people, but I have a feeling that since that's part of it, that's why it doesn't make it any tops for me because yes, it's good and I, I enjoyed it, but it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't change, you know, the world of film for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I agree. And I think, it did do similarly for Bergman Island to Old for Vicky Kripes, uh, for Alex Wolf. It kind of it put a better taste <laughs> in my mouth because he's so good in Pig and in, in Old, it's just not so much. <laughs> um, maybe it's not his fault, but Old was just kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, so any final thoughts on 
I don't want to try to um, Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are going to either hear about what, or here's what I'm going to say for people who haven't seen it. It's not ruining anything, I guess, per se, but the only thing going into it that I had heard at the time, and I saw the New York Film Festival for the press screenings and, you know, it had already played a lot of festivals before that, you know, but it's, you know, a woman gets pregnant after having sex with a car and that's all you hear. Um, and while that plays into what goes on during the whole film, and it, it kind of comes back here and there. That's it, it, not what it's about. And it's, yeah, again, if you have problems with some some gory, grotesque things, it may be a little tough for you, but I, I sit through it if you can, because I, I think it's brilliant. That's what I'll yeah, say. Yeah, and the idea of grief, I think, is what really is nailed there. I think that's- Well, yeah, it's, it's literally, I mean, it's literally just a movie, just like anything else that's like the power of love, what it could do for you. That's really all it is at the end of the day, but it's so much more to build up to that. Yeah. So um, with my list, I'm, I'm going to just keep it. I was, you probably saw me clicking through stuff. I was trying to figure out if I can get it in a way where I can see all my seven and try to reorder them <laughs> to not necessarily go in order, but I'm just going to go in the order I have just because sure. of the sake of convenience. Um, so, for, you know, for my seventh one, I put Shiva baby. I hope I'm saying that right. Shiva. 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 No, Shiva, Shiva is right. I'm sorry. Oh, is it Shiva? <laughs> yeah. I, I am Jewish. I should know. It's Shiva. Yeah. Sitting, okay, sitting Shiva. Shiva seven. Okay. <laughs> well, regardless, I think that was, um, you know, there's such a, I joke that in my little blurb I wrote on it that like Uncut Gems, Good Time kind of walks so this could run. You know, I think that there was something <laughs> about the, not just because of the Jewish, you know, themes of it, but I also thought the claustrophobia, you know, in this house party that's going on. And I think it takes place in real time, at least for a good portion of it. Um, and I really, I, I don't know, there's something about going home to your family and having to meet those family expectations that, mm. you know, for someone who's still in, in school, like I, I could definitely relate to that where you have to be like, yeah, I, you know, for my case, like, yeah, I want to work in the film industry. And people, you know, I want to write about movies. People are like, oh, that's not an engineer or marketing or, you know, something a little more steady, you know, but uh, something about that. And also the score I thought was really great by mm. Ariel Marx. I thought that was really, it reminded me of Midsommar with the, the strings and Spencer a little bit. Um, and I like seeing Molly Gordon and things. She was in Booksmart and uh, Good Boys that, the raunchy oh, yeah. kids which is i remember that one very yeah. memorable but she's you know she's always pretty solid so i thought that was um more of a surprise than anything i just kind of put it on one time not even knowing really what it was but i really enjoyed that one yeah that's actually one that's another one that i missed at the time because i was during i think it was also at tribeca and i missed seeing it and uh never caught up with it so unfortunately i'm, I'm behind on that one yeah well okay well then what's uh what's number six on your list I think I, I think so many people feel that best movies have to be serious dramas or, you know, they could be lighthearted, but they got to have a real, you know, solid core that's built in, you know, this traditional dramatic sense. And I thought this was the best film of the year at the time when I first saw it. And I still think it's a film that deserves to be talked about as best of the year, which is Werewolves Within. Maybe it's because, like like Titan, I was just surprised because I was expecting maybe a little less out of it. But just like I said when it, when it first came out, like Josh Rubin's direction on this was a lot tighter and a lot more well conceived than I think people will probably give him credit for, because they think they just again see a comedy. But this is so smartly put together, and every actor knows exactly what this role is supposed to be while playing it over the top in ways, but at the same time knowing where the ropes are. And it's just such an amazingly, not just fun trip, but so smartly just delivered from everybody that it's 
top. It's definitely in my top five of the year. Yeah, I missed that one. Who put that one out? I feel like I got an email about that one. I honestly don't even remember. I because I saw it. I saw it before it came out to Tribeca because we did. Uh, we had Harvey Guillon, who is uh, Yermo from uh, what we do in the shadows for most people. He's in a lot of stuff that most people know him from. We had him on to talk about the movies. So they sent it to us like two or three weeks before it premiered. Um, so I, I never actually went to the end up checking out, but it's technically a video game movie. So technically it's the best video game movie ever made because while, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Ubisoft's owned product, but it's just one of these like, you know, uh, what they call mafia or werewolf uh, tabletop games, but they made a uh, VR game out of it. So it's technically a video, it's technically a video game movie, uh, which is another thing that maybe people, you know, are, Oh, Ubisoft, what's this? I'm not going to, this doesn't deserve to be here. Oh yes, it does. Absolutely does. So is it right up there with a uh, Mortal Kombat? It, and look, <laughs> we, I know, I know you're joking, but <laughs> this movie is, this is such, such a good movie. I think it's on Hulu right now. Oh, I think it's, I think it's, I'm going to look it up while we talk. Because I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, no, I mean, if it is, I will check it out. I was joking because you know, just video game movies. Have oh yeah, reputation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I guess I, I will have to check it out if it's on Hulu. Um, I'm looking. I'll let you know right now. Werewolves. Maybe not. No, nah, maybe not. I guess not. I thought it was. I lied. Either way, I'll, I'll look it up and hopefully, you know, I can catch it. Hopefully it's on VOD at least. I can at least rent it. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely is. Definitely okay. is. Yeah. Actually, if you want, I apologize. I don't mean to, I don't mean to hold this up. Yeah, no, you're good. But because now, now I'm so, I'm so happy somebody hasn't seen it yet and they get to experience it. Werewolves Within. Let's see. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's just only, it's only for rental. Uh, rental on Apple TV and I don't know what this is. Spectrum, I guess. Then you can buy it other places. How much is it? One of the nineteen ninety nine ones. I know this is a really mundane part of the. You can rent it for four ninety nine from Apple TV, or you can buy it from Amazon for ten dollars. Okay, well, five bucks isn't bad. I just paid that for uh, Flag Day, which was much worse than I'm sure this is. Um, uh, but yeah, so my my number six. Thankfully, like you got with Werewolves Within, I'm I'm so thankful to Janice Films for sending me Drive My Car because. I really wanted to see this one. And you know what? They invited me to a screening like the day before it premiered in New York like yeah. a month ago. But it was at Bryan Park. And that, though, you know, we know from Soho, those seats are not comfortable enough for a three hour movie. So, with Drive My Car, I'm so thankful that they sent it to me before it came to Philly and expanded its release. Um, that was another one about grief. A lot of these movies I had on my list were about grief in some ways. Mm. Um, but I thought that this was, you know, the fact that it's three hours long, but, you know, I'm not comparing it to The Godfather in terms of how great it is. but it did handle the pacing well, where I can watch The Godfather, you know, at any point, you know, I could watch that over and over. Drive sure. My Car, maybe not to the same extent, but it was, um, it moved, you know, for a three hour movie. Uh, and the first 40 minutes, I'm sure you've heard this because you haven't seen it, correct? Yeah, unfortunately, again, it's another one that I still missed. Um, and eventually I'll see it. And I'm a little annoyed that I've missed it now because of all of the good things I hear, but I'll, I'll catch it. Yeah, I mean, the first 40 minutes, I mean, it, you know, it goes 40 minutes before the title cards come up. I completely forgot we were, they didn't come up, you know, but then you're 40 <laughs> minutes in and it really, you get the, the title cards, which is great. And the performances, I, you know, I'm going to butcher their names, so I'm not going to, but the lead actor is really great. Um, and, and I really don't want to try because I don't want to be sure. um, offensive, but the, uh, what was I going to say about that? But yeah, you're lucky you didn't watch it. Like I know it was at the New York film festival and it probably would not have been comfortable to sit in uh, Alice Tully or any of those with a three hour. Well, we, yeah, all the, all the, all the press screenings are in, uh, are in uh, the Walter Reed theater, which I'm just used to sitting oh. for. Yeah. Cause before COVID, yeah. uh, you know, we would, I would just, 
if you had three movies in a row, you just sit there the whole time. You don't even go back out. You just, you just bring in the thing of almonds and you sit there. So I'm used to sitting in that place for like eight, nine hours. Okay. So yeah, you would have been fine with driving my car, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just, I am so thankful. And it probably helped that I watched it at home. Cause I'm in all honesty, if I would have had to go to Jersey or Philly to watch it, I probably wouldn't have been as thrilled with it, but I can't, you know, it is really great. And if you can catch it, you know, I know it's expanding yeah. cities really, I can't recommend it enough. And it, it feels like this year's, you know, it sounds funny, but like I am Asian. So I can say this, the Asian represent, you know, the representative for the Oscars, you know, it, it's, it's last year's Minari, which I love. And the year before Parasite. This is like that movie that really is great. I hope people don't just run away because of the subtitles. Like I was just speaking to a friend of mine who will. <laughs> uh, love you, Danny. But, um, <laughs> but you know, but it is a great film. And if you just give it a chance, I really think it does something so beautiful about, because I didn't know what it was. The title, the synopsis reads uh, something about a man after his wife disappears. So that made me think it's a murder mystery. Mm. It's not that at all. I thought it was him trying to find his wife. That is not at all what it's about. Um, and there's some really funny lines in there. And it's about a uh, production, you know, he's a screenwriter or a playwright. Um, so yeah, I can't, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but. Sure. That is, that is what I understand. It, it, it is what, cause as you talk about it, you know, for people who have never seen it, I understand it is very funny, right? It is. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. So what's, uh, what's next up on your list? Uh, I'm going to have to go with. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start from the top of my list that I've written it down in alphabetical order and move down from. I think from this point because it's it's hard now deciding which I want to talk about next. Um, because I am one of the lovers of Annette. Mm. Uh, I'm also one of those people. I'm one of these people who knew about Sparks before the Edgar Wright documentary came out. Uh, didn't make me say that I was waiting for this movie to come out per se, but after everything and then seeing that Leos Carax was was making it, I was kind of getting excited about it. And when I first, and it's it's a movie that on first watch, while you're watching it, as much as you can enjoy certain parts of it, it's, I was still kind of flummoxed as to if I even could gauge my feelings on on, on what it was. But when the, when the ending finally comes and you see that, have you seen the film by the way? I, I don't want to. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And so for, but for I guess for people who haven't seen it, you know, because they they did hide. I they they've give, they let the cat out of the bag the movie the minute the movie came out. Uh, but I didn't know beforehand that when baby Annette was introduced, what was going to happen. And I said, a friend who saw it before me, and he said they did something and it was like really kind of out there, I guess. I don't remember what he said, because I think I, when I told it back to him, I mis misrepresented what he said. But that when I saw that, I knew that's what he's talking about. But I love that, though. When I saw all that, I was so on board. But when it gets to the very end, that final scene between the two of them and it like the full circle of where the multiple themes of this movie come together as one. I was like, I'm, I'm on board now. I, I so am like thrilled that they're going with this because when during that, when she blamed, where technically Annette blames both of them, I was like, yes. And I'm trying, I'm trying to talk about it without giving away for people who haven't seen it because I definitely do, um, feel highly toward films because i'm not a person that like i don't i don't want to have kids i'm not i don't care about you know if i have a child or not kind of thing but for films that are so high on themselves to deal with how we treat children i i have a real big respect for and so when this came to the end of it i was i was just so happy yeah no that was one that how many times did you watch it before you really got your full thoughts on that once 
Okay, you did watch it once because I yeah, I had to do the review the next day, and I was like, that's, I was just I just sat thinking, I just sat, sat thinking about it the whole time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. What you know, same situation where they sent it to me, and I watched it, you know, one night, and I feel like I should have watched it again. You know, if I could have had the time, it's a long movie. Is it like? Well, I went, I went to see it. I went to see. I actually saw it at um, Technicolor. I don't remember. I okay. saw it in a screening room. Yeah. Okay, well, they just sent it to me, which was, I guess, a blessing and a curse because I only got to watch it once, and then, um, but I was really impressed. I love the first song, that first little power ballad they yeah. do. Um, and what's that? What's the? Do you remember? You might not remember, but what? What do Adam Driver and um, who's who plays his wife in the movie? Um, Marianne Cotillard. Yes. Uh, what is? What's their song they keep singing to each other throughout the movie? There's like it's like a simple line, and I just can't. Remember. Uh, yeah, it's just um, uh, it's funny. Like I can I can, I'm about to say it now. I forget as I say it, but you know, like I'm so in love with you, or yes, that's what we're it was. so in love. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that was stuck in my head for a while after, and I, I did love some of the set design. Like I loved how it kind of looked oh, like yeah. a play, but also was it looks like a film like it's weird it's like a weird like that the scene when they're on the boat i think oh absolutely like yeah. i loved that i was in love with that and adam driver is great in that much better than he was in house of gucci um <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah no that yeah, well, was they... oh no, go ahead sorry no, no no i was just gonna say it was great and whatever but no go ahead yeah no it, it's it's definitely so it's again no because for people who don't know sparks don't know their kind of sense of humor and and you know kind of what they do through their music for knowing you're seeing a musical and, and realizing you're seeing, you know, songs where there's just like three lines repeated and that's what it is. Like they're, they're going to, they make it lost and confused a little bit, which is why I think certain people may need those second viewings after seeing it for the first time. But um, yeah, that ending really, that real ending really stuck with me. It really, it really kind of hit me like a truck for for a good bit. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, now I kind of want to go back and at least see the endings. I don't remember. I remember what you were talking about with the ch way we treat, children and stuff i don't remember the actual ending um but yeah i'll have to go back and revisit that uh, another one that i will honestly revisit a lot more often is uh i know this is kind of a cop-out but it's uh i have the beatles get back on my list um i don't know if it's a cop-out i don't, I don't know, know that would i mean i've seen people have it on their list i i don't know like I, I think it is it's really a trilogy of films i mean somebody joked that it's the best trilogy of films about four guys from britain uh i'm butchering their joke but basically yeah. i digress but uh yeah, no, I love the Beatles Get Back, and Disney sent that one to me. It, the way they sent it wasn't the best. They sent it Thanksgiving week, because uh, I think it, the first episode dropped on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Next one was on Friday, Saturday, and they sent it to me on Monday. And I think, you know, the first episode's two hours, second one's three, and the third one's yeah. two and a half or something like that. And it's through, so, and it's through their, their, their screening app platform, too. Yes, right? yes, debut or whatever it was, which is also kind of a pain in the butt when you're... <laughs> um, but anyways... I mean, it was a great use of my, you know, usage of my time. Sorry, uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. But it's this eight hours that you really have to be a fan of the Beatles to to really like. I really don't think if you don't, even if you're just a casual like, I like some of their hits. I don't know if you're gonna like hear them play "Dig a Pony" or "One After 909 15 times in a row. You know, yeah. but for somebody who grew up like my dad, basically, you know, my anybody that knows me can. Uh, you know, say this that like my dad raised me on the Beatles, you know, and Paul McCartney specifically. So for me, this was just like, I loved it. You know, every minute of it was great. And just seeing the Beatles, you know, because around this time is when they broke up. I'm sure you would, you know, this. Yep. Um, but this. Wait, series... the Beatles broke up? <laughs> no, they're still uh, still together. Um, but uh, no, but yeah, sorry, I got a message on my <laughs> screen. But, you yeah, know, seeing them, you know, you kind of forget that with all the drama that they had between all four of them, you kind of forget that they did grow up with each other you know they were kids mm. when they started this band and even though they were only together 10 years or whatever they were you know friends and you kind of forget they were like brothers and this series kind of reminds you that you know even though there are times where a certain member will 
leave abruptly and get mad at them. You know, there's other scenes where you see Ringo playing uh, Maxwell Silverhammer or something or something on the piano. And it's just kind of fun. I think it was just it brought so much joy to like see, you know, them all smiling. And even though it's in, you know, I love Paul McCartney, as I said, but um, seeing him be like the boss of the group is making me laugh because, you know, they play Let It Be. And I think they got the version they used on the album. And then he goes, let's just do it one more time to cover ourselves. And they all go, they all groan. <laughs> Um, so I just love seeing this human side of a band that, you know, the Beatles were so, were so far removed from when they were together. I mean, McCartney still tours, Ringo still tours, but it's, what is this, 50 years? Six, yeah, 50 years since Let It Be. I have the, I just got it for Christmas, the, uh, the Let It Be, you know, special edition stuff. But um, I don't know, it just was a great way to remind me of my fandom and to see them, you know, play their music over and over and over. Um, as annoying as it could be, Yoko Ono also gets to sing, so that's that's the only my complaint with the series. Uh, Do you watch it at all? No, I actually it, I feel so bad because everything you've talked about so far I haven't seen yet because it's one again it's something that I'm like all right it's it's here let me go watch it and then something else came up but I haven't watched it because I know I'm gonna have to put in the time and I'm just haven't caught up now because um, I'm actually trying to catch up on something else now that I that I'm I'm so far behind on uh, so that's what I've been doing when I've been coming home recently. Um, and that's this is some really old, um, and so like I just I have I haven't found the time yet. And while I grew up, you know, with my you know my father would play Beatles stuff, and of course I always I always was like you know like oh I love this is great. I, not that I dislike the Beatles anyway. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just like I don't really listen to them much anymore. Uh, and when I do, it's probably more the songs that I think you know hardcore Beatles fans don't like because I like the more I guess random stuff or um, not so singly kind of stuff um well you know there are some that i do you know like there are certain songs you can never deny that you know like i'm just gonna put the songs to make me feel cool uh <laughs> so like so i wasn't i wasn't like i have to see it right now kind of thing you know and so now i have to catch up yeah um so yeah what's next on uh, your list i couldn't remember what number we're at now <laughs> well i'm going out i'm going back in my alphabetical order here and so now we're going to bring back up again last night in soho okay. because i will say that it's a film that because I, I enjoy when things surprise me in the sense that, not that they're not what I expected. I, I, I like things that go against the grain. You know, if a movie, if, you know, from Moon, for instance, you've seen Moon? I don't think I have. This was a long time ago. Oh, okay, so I won't ruin it then. Moon's, yeah. oh my God, Moon's one of my favorite movies. Um, so like, like, so like you see, if you see like a crime thriller and you, you know that character, he's always the one that's going to be the guy who's, the snitcher of it, and it turns out to be the opposite. I always enjoy those things. Mm. So for an Edgar Wright film to be more straightforward in a lot of ways, mm. kind of plays into that in a, in, in a different sense. While while Last Night in Soho, thematically, story wise, the way it's told, maybe similar to more traditional films that Edgar Wright makes, mm. because that's not what he normally does. I I got thrilled with that idea because, like you were saying. You know, unlike Hot Fuzz, where he's basically making a joke that he's giving away at the beginning, and he does give it away in many ways, this follows those twist lines a little more clearly. And so, like for for a big for a big red herring he puts out there, I know it's a red herring. I knew it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so, in a, and so, like halfway through the film, like I, I kind of know where the movie's going to end up. You know, like unlike what you were saying, like that's the way I felt. I'm like I knew, but it didn't make a difference. I just remembered my other. I just remember oh, my other honorable mention. We'll talk about it, it after because okay. now I'm talking about it. I remember what it is. Okay. <laughs> um, but while there are certain issues that I still have with the film, 
which is what made me think of my honorable mention, where the kind of supernatural side to what it's actually trying to say in its message side kind of conflict a little bit makes me feel that uh, I can't like consider it, the, you know, the best, but it made it such an enjoyable experience for me that I, I it's in my top. Yeah. And Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas and McKenzie were both great. Uh, once again, yeah. an old star getting a much better movie. Well, I um, thought Thomason was was the best thing about old. I thought she did a good job in old. Okay, yeah, but I mean, and I think she was also great there. And the red herring that was also really well done. Even though you know you said you saw that coming, I, I do think um, that was great. And I love the uh, the ballroom scene. You know, nobody can you know or yeah. the dance scene. That's always going to be that's one of the best scenes just I've seen this year. Something I just think about a lot. I still you know I watch it over and over, and I'm like I just don't get how they <laughs> how they well these. It. This is just because like, with all Edgar Wright films, it's going to yeah. be where he's going to come out or somebody's going to notice something that he didn't talk about yet. And even though it's more straightforward, we're going to like now, like two years from now, like talk about this thing that he did in this that nobody noticed. Like, oh, my God, how how dare he? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, but yeah. I apologize. My honorable mention was The Night House. Oh, I had that, too. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I, I actually I, I almost brought that one up, but I love that one, too, even though I, I said my blurb here that uh, Rebecca Hall had a great year. You know, I liked passing yeah. a lot, but the night house, I think I liked it more, even though maybe it's not as great. Um, but I thought that was really powerful again about grief. That's what I was referencing, you know, again. Um, and she's just, just so good in it. Um, what made me think about it when you were talking about last night in Soho, cause I was before we talked about it officially in, in my capacity, I was thinking about that idea of how the supernatural side kind of conflicts with the uh, thematic side. And that's what, that's the thing about the night house. that also bothers me a little bit. Because whether which whether one you weigh higher, it kind of pokes a big crack in the whole thing, um, and so that bothered me a little bit. And I don't think it's even if that was a little more well put together, I wouldn't put it as the top film of the year. But that's why it's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, and I, I think the only other thing I will say is that I remember you know being bummed out because the trailers uh, sell it, I mean, and of course we have to sell it as like a horror movie, right? You have to because I think if I'm not mistaken, the trailers make it seem pretty scary and. I refuse to watch trailers, so unless it's by accident, I wouldn't know. Okay, well, lucky, you know, well, the trailers kind of sold the whole idea about the other house, and it, it showed a lot of the scary stuff that really happens. There's stuff that happens throughout the middle, but really at the end, I think there's like that one sequence where it gets pretty, um, where she's, you know, um, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, but going into the movie, I was impressed with how personal it was compared to, I didn't think it was, you know, supernatural stuff. There was, in you know, she does chase down whatever her husband was researching, that weird yeah thing with the spikes in it or whatever it was that weird uh the model but um but yeah no that was a honorable mention on my list as well well not to, not not to hop on about it too long because again it's our honorable mention we're all in the yeah, middle right, of this right. other list but since you were talking about again what you're right doing with the ballroom scene what the night house did was really great is the set design and kind of camera angles built because you can look at so many different frames and see like kind of figures and faces that were just the way it's positioned they're talking about that whole maze kind of thing very brilliant very brilliantly done yeah i might have to go rewatch. i think they sent me that one too this is a digital um code but um was that what you, so then what soho was your fourth right i'm sorry your fourth one that we've uh fourth four. uh five uh six fourth. yeah no okay. no that was my third third okay yeah um i kind of lost track of where where we are <laughs> but uh do you want to do one more then i guess after soho well, um, another surprise for me was Old Henry, because I knew nothing about it. Uh, it was clear that when I was sent it to watch that it was going to be a Western of some sort. Um, 
and I, not that I didn't have any interest in seeing it because I didn't know much about it at the time. I just knew that it was um, playing at, uh, at Venice at the time uh, I, I had was watching the film cause we had Tim Blake Nelson on the podcast. Uh, and I was just so surprised with what I ended up seeing on so many different levels, both being for, I don't want to say twists cause it's something, but like when it comes to those kind of things where it's like the t- twisty nature, just being really well put together, uh, being a movie that it's not a long movie, but being a movie that just kind of moves very briskly and gets every point it needs to get in. And also a movie where I did not know this until I was preparing to do the interview that they shot this thing and turned it around and completed it on a dime, man. I mean, they had this thing shot, edited, completed, and showing at Venice, one of the top film festivals in the world, within six months. Oh, wow. And it looks gorgeous on top of all that, and it's just so well put together. Uh, and Tim Blake Nelson is fantastic. And he's another person I think should get a nomination for their performance in a movie that's probably not going to get as much uh, play as it should. Uh, Old Henry. Is that on any uh, service? I missed that one as well. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I can look it up while, uh, while, I, think, while I think about it. Uh, I have, I just go to the, uh, just, I, mean, I think it's still technically VOD at this point, but let's see. Old Henry. Old Henry is available for five dollars to rent on <laughs> on Apple TV, three ninety nine to rent on Amazon. Okay, perfect. So I can three ninety nine to rent on Google. Yeah. Catch that one as well. Um, so yeah, um, my next one then is the Mitchells versus the Machines. I might have mentioned this after we had recorded the last one. Uh, did you watch this one? I also another one I haven't. <laughs> I, I really love. I haven't caught it yet. Yeah. Well, no, that I means great. I mean, we're both kind of saying stuff that we haven't seen that we'll hopefully you know check out. Um, this one I, I also thought. Now again, I don't know this could also be my age playing into it where I really thought, you know, the main character basically not to spoil anything, but she gets into a film school because all she wants to do is make movies. And so the whole premise is the family, they all kind of feel disconnected. So they want to take this as a road trip. It sounds cheesy, you know, but they go on this road trip as a family and then it's a robot apocalypse or whatever, or AI apocalypse. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I thought the whole aspect of, again, a kid wanting to go to film school, like I do for grad school. It's, it's just kind of like, I just thought that was powerful as, somebody in that age. Now, I don't know how that plays to somebody who's maybe either either younger or older. You know, I don't know. Maybe it just hit me at the right age, but it also is one of those films that it came out in, I think, May on Netflix. And I, I remember seeing trailers for this when it was, pre, before it was bought by Netflix, probably pre-COVID. And yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it had a completely different name, but um, I was just really blown away by it. And the animation's great. I think we talked about this. Is it Lord Miller produced it or did they direct No, Lord it? Miller, I think this one, I think they directed. Lord, they, they produced uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. They only produced. They didn't direct that one. That's what we were talking about them. I think they made it, which is from what I understand, which is again, because they are, I mean, I haven't seen all of their, their animated films. You know, I never saw Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs or that, but I understand how people think about it. And I've seen their live action stuff, you know, and they're, they're they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, no. I interviewed them for 22 Jump Street, actually. Oh, oh I forgot they did those. I, I really like those, too, the live-action Jump Street. Well, they're, they're, they're some of the few who can do, which is why, what pissed me off so much when they got taken off of Solo Star Wars oh, story. Right, right. Um, because they're two filmmakers, two of the only filmmakers besides maybe, like, I, maybe I would say Matt Vaughn, who can do nostalgia properly. Hmm. Um, and I, I'm not saying nostalgia in the sense of what we saw with the Ghostbusters and Spider-Man, but just doing <laughs> true, right. you know, like 
well, we have to put a one-liner to mention that this old film, they're the only ones who can do it right. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, that equalizer joke in No Way Home, I think that was <laughs> right up there. Um, but how many more do you have on your list there? I just want to try. Uh, well, technically, I guess I have three more. I think I miscounted okay. earlier, too. I, I, I skipped Licorice Pizza by accident in my in my alphabetical order. I went from straight from Last Night and So to Old Henry, and I skipped Licorice Pizza, which, again, with all the controversy, unfortunately, I still think it's one of the best films of the year. Yeah, I want, actually, I wanted to say that. Too. So is that one of your three? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that is. Okay, so, yeah, if you want to talk about that, then, yeah. Well, I mean, I went into it, you know, of course, not knowing anything was going to happen because I, I saw it before all, everybody else got to see it. And, um, you know, for it's interesting because, you know, I'm not going to start to now try and talk specifically to the controversies. <laughs> and I know we talked about it a little bit last time we spoke. Yeah. Um, but if you if you actually want to look and dig, you can see where it has a thematic point to it. Because you have two characters who, whether they think what they know or not, are kind of living in this world where everybody's not what they say they are, not who they think they are. Because you look at, very again, specifically, um, uh, Ben Ben Sat, uh, Safdie, you know, as as the running for for con- was he running for Congress, kind of for mayor, you know, like again, you know, the things that he's hiding. And the things that all these other people, while the, our own main characters are kind of following in their footsteps in a way, it's a it's a it's natural though. They're the what they're doing, even though they're following this immoral kind of way of running businesses and living. Um, it's kind of homey and coming from a place of actual feelings and love, where everybody else is not. And that's where those things fit in. So I'll, I'll, that's how I, that's how I'll say it. Which is not really talking about why I like the movie, but I'm just addressing that. I would say. Yeah, and I actually I did have that in my top three, and then when it finally opened, because we went to that screening, and you thought you saw me, right? And then I somehow I could have sworn I saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, was it at the DGA theater? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, we were at the same one, but um, but yeah, my I took my dad to see it this weekend because it finally opened wide, and. You know, he didn't really like it much. And I kind of, on second viewing, it, it dropped out of my top three. I had it three mm. now on my running list. It's at 10, not because I didn't enjoy it, but there was something, I think we saw it with the right kind of audience that people were laughing at all the jokes, right? We kind of had a, and I don't know, look, we were in New York and it's a, it was a lot of press, right? So maybe yeah. you get a little bit more of the pe- people who love PT. I think my group was more people who love Haim as a band, or uh, mm. if I'm saying that name correctly. And um and the music and the nostalgia of it all um but i still liked it a lot i just think the controversies are tough because the age gap one you know i think that's a really really tough one to talk about because i I don't know that it gets messy i just saw people on twitter fighting about it um (laughs) and then the asian one again i (laughs) i am asian i personally was not offended i can't speak for everybody obviously but i really felt like to me at least it just felt like that was part of the time i'm not saying it's right but you know, like to me in the set, I asked my dad even, you know, I'm not saying, and my dad for reference is white. I was adopted into a family. I grew up in New York in the seventies and you know, it just felt not appropriate, but it just felt like part of the time. And it was just, I don't know. It wasn't malicious. I don't believe. No, I mean, it definitely wasn't malicious. Um, and and a few old people argue, of course, it doesn't make a difference. Um, and you know, of course he could come out and say more uh, probably, but I, I think he'd rather just not do it, I guess. But there is a um, there's a sense that, of course, people also have to remember that 
a lot of the a lot of what happens in the film are actually kind of stories told from somebody else's real life. Uh, and I'm basically, I, I mean, I would have to imagine that this character is somebody that actually kind of existed in a certain way. And people will say, well, you don't have to put it in the film anyway, which is true, which is very true. But again, I think it plays toward this notion of what they are growing up in and what they're seeing and the parts of it that are injected into their lives, but then the other parts that are obviously not part of their lives. And I think that's why it's there, honestly. Uh, that's just me. Um, but again, it's also a movie like, uh, to me, Paul Thomas Anderson used to be this guy that I, I always, I made up this, this image in my head that he was purposely doing these like joint movies. So like, if you watched, um, we'll kind of keep Sydney Hardade out of it um, because that's, you know, where it starts. So that's kind of like the beginning little knot. Then you have Boogie Nights and Magnolia, which are very much yeah. along the same ways they, they are presented in visual style and flair. Uh, and then he does Punch Drunk Love, which is a complete elbow. And that <laughs> goes into There Will Be Blood and the Master, which are these big character studies that are drawn out, uh, very dour in a lot of ways, but you know, very serious. Um, and then he comes <laughs> and then he comes out with an hair fight, so he elbows again. But then he didn't do that. He didn't even follow the elbow. Then he does Phantom Thread and then this. So the, the whole, my whole plan fell apart. Yeah. Um, but because I guess I was expected, well, I knew before, I, I knew this wasn't going to be following in the same lines of something like Phantom Thread, but uh, maybe I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect from Licorice Pizza at all. I just knew the title. Yeah. And again, let's go talk about the title because it, Licorice Pizza was an actual name of a pizza place in the standard of the Valley yeah. back in the day. But why call the movie that? Because it's two things that don't necessarily really belong together, but somehow they've found a way to, to make it work, you know? So all the, every, that's why everything in the film, while it may just seem like he's trying to be for certain people, it's like, he's just making racist jokes. There's, there's a point to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think, and also let me roll it. Like we talked about last time. And I yeah. always appreciate that being in a movie. Um, but yeah, no, and it was, it's definitely one of his sweetest movies, if not his sweetest, you know, movie. Yeah, definitely. End. Yeah. Well, um, punch your glove fits in a little bit, but because of, because of the, that hurt in Sandler, it, it goes yeah. a little apart, but yeah, absolutely. And Cooper Hoffman, definitely. I, I keep saying this. Yeah. A lot of times great, but Cooper Hoffman really made, would make his dad so proud, you know, for being in it, not only just being in a PTA movie, but, I think there's so much where it's just his mannerisms and his way about, you know, his aura is so much, you know, so close to his dad. And, and his dad was obviously one of the most legendary actors ever, rest in peace. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know. It is great. And it's definitely still in my top 10, but it, something about, maybe it just was the crowd because, you know, I just went and it wasn't uh, just a different kind of atmosphere. Um, so my next one then is one that I really, this is one that I really didn't know about until I'd heard about um, Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda's directorial debut, Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I missed it on Netflix. I didn't even hear about it. You know, I missed like the oh. best stuff where I didn't even hear about it. Um, but I was blown. I just finished it the other day and I was just blown away by his directing. I mean, I, I'm not a Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, I will say. I can't stand the Hamilton stuff. I liked In the Heights. I liked that music a, a little bit more, um, but I could not stand Hamilton. And what did he, what did he do? Coco, I think. And Did he do Coco? Mo I didn't Moana. 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 Is that what it was? Did he do it? I had no idea. I don't know. He did the music for one of those, maybe both. Um, oh, music. Yeah, I thought you meant directed. Yeah, no. Oh, no the, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, probably for Coco, yeah. But Tick, Tick, Boom, I just thought was really great, especially, again, it's another one of these stories. I just love these relatable stories about a guy who's, you know, because it's, uh, who, who's it based on? Jonathan Larson, mm -hmm. right? Who was kind of down on his luck. He's hitting 30, and he's about to hit 30, and he hasn't done anything, right? He just writes away. And uh, Andrew Garfield's so great. I mean, I, as a kid, I loved him as Spider-Man, but now growing up, seeing him in, like, Hacksaw Ridge, and then uh, the score silence and 
this and even earlier this year, I will say that not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, I really loved him in that as well. Not more than Jessica Chastain, but yeah. they both nailed their characters. I grew up, I went to the school actually, uh, that Jerry Falwell, you know, started, which who was featured in the oh. film. Yes, which is always an interesting conversation piece being at a different school now. Um, but Andrew Garfield really nailed Jim Baker. So I kind of had a sense. Now, granted, I went in knowing what Jim Baker sounds like and his neurotic mannerisms and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's why I loved him in that. But even in Tick, Tick, Boom, something about his, you know, he just has such an energy and it. it's, it's his best performance of the year, even better than one that, you know, another one that people <laughs> uh, adore. But, you know, I don't want to say that too much about that. But I just like oh, yeah. the music. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunately another one that I have yet to catch up on because I missed it when I had the chance to see it. And it's right on Netflix. I can watch it easily, but I'm still catching up on things. But to, to exactly what you're saying, you know, beyond, let's just say Garfield, because again, I had friends coming to me telling me that because I am, you know, was never really that high on Andrew Garfield. Also, my friends are the same way. It's like we don't dislike him, but just don't really honestly care. But, you know, they came they came saying to me, it's like, no, he's this is damn. And then the same thing about Lynn Morel Miranda, where he. He's kind of revolutionized the way you can bring a staged musical to screen. And I had people just gushing over it that would also kind of, just like you said, not kind of never give him that kind of credit to, to, to in a ways where even though I haven't seen it yet, I, and I don't want to say without, because this is horrible of me to say without seeing it, but based on what people have told me that I do trust with certain things, I don't know if I'd say best movie of the year, but I don't understand why you may not give him best director of the year. Yeah, best director. Maybe I hope Andrew Garfield gets a nomination. Uh, I don't think he'll win anything this year for it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that's definitely one to catch. So what's uh, what's this number two? Uh, I don't even know anymore. So I'm well, just gonna go. I, I keep messing that up. I'm sorry. It's not your number two of the year, but you're no, no. But even last. still, like I, I don't even. I, I'm, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. But now the here we're gonna now we get to finally talk about it because the last time we talked, you hadn't seen it yet. We're gonna see it this week, maybe or something like that, because or it was last week. Because uh, it's the tragedy of Macbeth. Yes, yes, yeah. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but because I'm, I'm a big Coen Brothers fanatic, and I know just is just Joel, you know, at this point, but that's fine. Like they, they're, they've affected my life since growing up. And I was, a, I'm a little weirded out by the fact that if you do, like, if you go into this not knowing the story of Macbeth, you may be lost, kind of thing, because they cut out things and it, it goes very speedy. Um, which is fine. And I think a lot of people complain about them kind of for you know, to, to, to put it in a strange terminology, which shouldn't be, they kind of castrate Lady Macbeth a little bit. The way, the, the way this film looks, yes, it's, it is so much like a stage play on film. It's so breathtaking. And as much as, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand are great. Now people may get confused by the fact that everybody has different accents and I just kind of forgot about it after a while. I really thought um, uh, Corey Hawkins and um, I've now forgotten his name, who plays Banquo. Um, oh, yes. Uh, I, I thought, I thought both of face, them yeah. were, the real, were the real standouts mm -hmm. uh, of, of, the actual, of the actual performance wise, but except for the fact, I am so angry and pissed off because again awards don't mean anything to me like yes i like to see things i like win the awards because it means that people are paying attention kind of thing you know like when parasite won i was so beyond 
thrilled and amazed and happy. I would gloat about it, even though if somebody wants to come and say, well, this person won 15 awards, they're great. Well, I don't, you know, I don't give a shit. So it's weird. It's hypocritical. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. besides the New York Film Critics Circle, I, maybe somebody else who I haven't seen, the fact that people aren't even talking about nominating Catherine Hunter for Best yes, Supporting right. Actress is a fucking crime. Yeah. How she has not already won and been handed the award <laughs> makes no sense to me. Yeah. My Lord. When that, I mean, yes, it's Bergman-esque when you see it at first, but what, oh my God, my mind blown yes. by what that woman did. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Now, I did feel, I, I read a little bit of, you know, I, I knew the Macbeth story and I, I read a little bit of it going in. I think that I, somebody else had said this recently. I just did feel a little bit, not lost, but something just didn't feel like the performances were great. Even Denzel, who, when he first came on screen, I could not take his, his, his doing Shakespeare seriously at first, because he's got such an iconic voice that hearing him deliver the lines, but mm. towards the end, it was great. The uh, tomorrow uh, speech is great and he gets better, but I had to just adjust to it. Uh, but Catherine Hunter is great. And the cinematography, just the craftsmanship alone, I think really blew me away. I was thinking, I could not stop thinking of the seventh seal. You just mentioned Bergman. I couldn't stop thinking of the seventh seal. You know, there's the one shot that's online somewhere. It might've been the press kit, uh, the mount, you know, they're on like the mountaintop or off a cliff, looking off a ledge or whatever. And it's so pitch black and just looks so great. Um, even the, uh, the, the temples, the, uh, you know, like the castle. Um, I loved how empty it was. It reminded me of Kanye's house. Uh, if you ever saw those pictures, you know, I know. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know why I knew that. I'm not a Kanye <laughs> listener, but I just know that him and uh, Kim Kardashian, if they're still together, had a house no, where it was like- That um, I know. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> they had a house that was just so empty and that's what it reminded me of in this, you know, so simplistic. Uh, and I love the uh, the high ceilings and this, and even the uh, light, you know, it just was beautiful. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Yes, I have to, I have to agree with you there. Because, um, and, and I, because again, it's something that feels in essence- kind of caged in in certain ways because it's, it feels like it's just a stage, but it also is so wide open at the same time. It's mind blown. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, yeah, I was blown away by that too. And um, not to the same degree. I don't even, I don't think it's even on my top 10, um, but uh, I did see that in favor of Matrix, which everybody else at the screening was there for. The AMC Lincoln Square was so crowded and everybody there was had Matrix. They even, no, this is the worst thing. You might hate this. When I walk into the Lincoln Square AMC, I walk in and there's a table where they always have the check-in and I'm like, oh, is this for uh, Tragedy of Macbeth? Like, oh no, this is Matrix. So, and they didn't tell me where Macbeth was. So I had to like walk around and it's all the way tucked in the back in this little table. Yeah. And I was like, you know, of course it gets pushed over from Matrix who everybody, when I was in the uh, concessions line, everybody was just talking about Matrix the whole time. Yeah, if, 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 it's, not, if it's not in the, in the front table, then it's in the back or they haven't shown up yet and they're gonna take another table. Or I had, an, I had two instances recently where no rep showed up at all. You had to actually go up to the ticket taker and they had to happen to have a list. Oh, <laughs> and then you just walk to the theater. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I don't want to consider the Matrix a disappointment because I wasn't expecting much because I really don't care about the Matrix. <laughs> but my Lord, I hated that thing. Really? Anyway. I, I might go see that one tomorrow. I haven't even seen the sequels, but yeah, that's not something super high on my <laughs> radar. Um, so what's... Oh, what's your, what's your next one? Yes. Uh, so The Power of the Dog was one that you mentioned being, you said it was in your top 10, but it wasn't something like not your favorite, right? It's kind of like I, I was forced to make a top 10 for somebody and it kind of slid its way into the bottom of it because, again, I do appreciate what was done. Uh, and so, But it just slips out every, you know, every other five minutes. Then I'm like, maybe it's not my top 10, you know? So did you see this one at the New York Film Festival? Kind of. I'll leave it at that. 
<laughs> Interesting. Well, um, well, no, because yes. I, I'll say I, yes. Yeah, I'll say <laughs> yes. I'll tell you the rest of it later. Okay. Well, <laughs> what I'd heard was so actually, you, you mentioned Paranemeroff earlier. I was listening to her show FYC um, with Scott Mance and Jeff Snyder. And something they had mentioned was with The Power of the Dog. If you watch it at home, I think it loses a lot of the impact. That's why I was asking because I haven't rewatched it. But after, after I saw it at the film festival and it was on a pretty decently sized screen, I was so blown away just by like the shots, you know, the cinematography was, I yeah. thought was breathtaking. Some of the, you know, my favorite stuff I've seen uh, all year, but I do agree that it was a little slow, <laughs> I will say, but there's something subtle about Benedict Cumberbatch where I'm not a big fan of him until this and No Way Home to a lesser extent, but just seeing him mm. play such a sensitive and such like a, like he's so, and I've just known so many people that are just so closed off and, you know, their commentary on, you know, masculinity and what it means to be. And whatever i just thought that was really powerful but i can also see the complaints and if people watch it at home i just don't know that's why I was, again why i asked I don't my, know my, yeah, my complaints aren't with the way it looks so that's those are the things yeah. that keep it high up for me it's more yeah. so just that i felt personally which feels weird because i'm comparing it now to something like last night in soho where i'm talking about how the film being a little more run-of-the-mill is what made me like it because it's edgar wright doing it and that's not what you expect from him mm. And I'm not saying Power of the Dog is one of the mill, but for when for when something's trying to say something to me, and I find it that it's hitting it too too square on the nose, and you you know oh you hit the hammer on that, like that just kind of turns me away a little bit, which is where my issues start to to, to arise. Okay, and you would say that Old Henry, the because you named that as a western, that was better than the Power of the Dog, which is more of like a yeah, just because they're westerns, I don't even really think fits into it, you know. And yeah. unfortunately, like I haven't seen. Another one I have to catch. I haven't seen The Harder They Fall, which may oh, end up being yes, my top right. 10 by the time I watch it. Another Western, right. but from what I hear about it, it may also pull its way into my list. Because um, I'm not a big, I'm not a Western fanatic. I'm not looking for Westerns. <laughs> um, but um, Old Henry, uh, as far as Westerns go, modern Westerns, and I'm talking about modern within the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's a film a lot of people haven't seen called Slow West came out around 2015, maybe earlier than that, maybe 2012. I don't remember now. Um, that's the movie where it's both kind of hitting you over the head at one point, especially the very end, but it's so delicate with the way it does it that it's going to fly over people's heads. Hmm. And that's kind of the sweet spot of where I want to see how well you deliver your themes yeah. uh, and have your story put together. And Old Henry's a little more like Slow West okay. uh, in the way it does it. It's not as, it's not similar, but it's, it's, it's kind of the same way. But if you haven't seen Slow West, definitely see Slow West. Also happens to be co-starring Cody Smith McPhee. Oh. Uh, so another Western where he's the, the technically the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> um, in many ways, not in Power of the Dog, but right. um, he's not the protagonist either, but he's kind of like, he's partly, it's hard to explain unless you see the movie. Um, and, oh, and Michael Fassbender is the main, actually. Oh, okay. And I, I just love Jesse Plemons being in stuff. You know, I, I love seeing oh, him yeah. in anything. And especially when it gets to be with his real life uh, wife, uh, Kirsten Dunst in uh, Power of the Dog. I just thought, yeah, that, and I, you know, I will have to check. What was the Slow West, did you call it? Slow West, yes. Okay. Um, so back to, you know, the list. What is your final entry? My final entry, and this is, again, I think it's a top 10 kind of film. But in a lot of ways, it's not my typical top 10. And it's Nightmare Alley. The reason I have it so high is because even though recently in years with Shape of Water mm. uh, and 
even in some parts, you know, the reality side of things like Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro has been a little more grounded in than his more sci-fi horror type of things. For him to do something, whether or not, let's imagine he never saw, I know he saw the original film and he's read the book and everything like that, but imagine he never saw those, just decided to make this movie. For him to kind of present this very grounded piece in so many ways was really impressive to me. And this is because much more than Shape of Water in that sense. Um, And while it could be a little slow at a certain point, and while you kind of feel that the ultimate giveaway is maybe a little too loose in certain senses, uh, it just, it really works well at the end of the day. And I appreciated that he was willing to let it kind of stretch out its legs in the opening section. So it can make a little more sense later on. Yeah. So I have a funny story about when I saw this, but I do want to say that I, that's interesting that you picked that one. Cause I did end up seeing it. I missed the screening for it. And I loved the first 40 minutes or however long. It, I think it was only 40 minutes of at the circus, right? I think it's like that stuff to me was so interesting. I loved, you know, not just the sets, but I thought that's when it was at its best. Maybe it's just because I was just interested in that. Um, mm. Then we kind of get out of that. I think I checked my phone. I was like, oh, we can't be leaving the circus now. <laughs> We're only talking <laughs> 40 minutes into a two and a half hour movie. Um, and then we get into the whole and then it does get a little slow. And I love the. The, the thing where it picked up for me was the tight wire act that Bradley Cooper, kind of, I don't want to say what it is really, but you know, he kind of has to, he, his stakes get higher in his own, uh, yeah. you know? And so I love, I did like that. And I did like the ending. Um, so my funny story with that is that when I went to go see it, my dad and I went, you know, just up to our AMC and we went to a showing that was at um, 1030, I think it started at 1030. Night? Just, yeah. 1030 at night. Okay. Um, which we're not like in New York City, so we don't get the 2 a.m. screenings. I saw they did that for Spider-Man. Uh, but 10.30 was like the latest thing they had. And we got there and it was packed because it was Spider-Man's opening weekend. So everybody, you know, the hallways were filled. And I was wondering, why is everybody out of their theaters right now at 10.30 if the last showtime's at like 11, even for like Spider-Man? And so we finally, you know, finally went into the auditorium. We walk in and, you know, we, we figured we missed the previews because we were a little late. And so the first shot we see is a swooping shot into the circus. And so we're like, oh, okay. So we sit down. We're like, all right, maybe we just missed the title cards or something. Uh, maybe we just missed the first scene. Oh my and god! It's, it's the ending scene, which I won't give away, but it involves Bradley Cooper. And <laughs> you know, the scene happens, and then the title comes up, and then music starts playing. My dad and I are like, okay, that's a you know, this is a long title card sequence. We're getting all the names. Then the lights come on, and everybody else is walking out, and we're like, what the hell did we just? And then the credits were rolling. So we're like, well, what the hell? Wow. So what happened was that our AMC that night, somebody tripped the fire alarm. And so everybody had to go outside for a half hour. Movies were running. And what happened was they basically offered you either a refund or you could go back in. They're going to rewind the movie, whatever movie you saw, Sing, Matrix, whatever. So the yes. thing about that was that, keep in mind, it was now at this point, you know, close to 11. And so we were like, well, we're not going to go watch this movie starting at 11 o'clock because they're going to replay it and start the previews and all that but I, I didn't you know so we ended up just going again we have amc stubs so it didn't even matter okay a refund wouldn't have done anything for us what, what are you gonna you know but the funny thing was that i was just i felt bad for all the poor bastards that are seeing no way home for the first time and imagine you're just an hour in i don't know or an hour and a half in and the fire alarm goes out and you're maybe you just at that point got to the big reveal and then you have to now come back in 
rewind the whole whole damn thing and watch it. Again. I got I have two funny stories for you. Okay, I don't know which one to tell first. Because the first, I'll put the first one, which was because well, I saw, I actually didn't go to the premiere press screening that everybody did sell for Nightmare Alley. My friend had originally invited me to a screen the next day, which is a producer's guild screening. And I'm sure he said the same thing at the, um, at the, uh, at the premiere. But we, you know, we had Guillermo del Toro there to do a Q&A after. And he had mentioned that that very, that very last scene with Bradley Cooper um, was that actually was something where they didn't, he didn't know how he was going to kind of do it. And it was one of these things where they got screwed over for weather or something. I can't remember what it was. Like, I right, we're just going to shoot that scene now. And that actually was his first take. They did do some extra takes. They did like two or three after, but they ended up using, that was his first take, his first time ever doing that. And it wasn't supposed to be on the day. Um, so that's an interesting story. But my funny story was is that my father went to go see Parasite. And the second the shoe's about to drop, Mm-hmm. The lights come on, the film stops. And what that's going on? Somebody was having a seizure in the back of the, the oh, theater. Wow. And so the, technically it's like an hour something into the movie. So my father, they said, oh, well, you know, well, you can come back to a different screening. He's like, I don't kind of feel, feel like sitting through this again right now. So he went home and he looked up on Wikipedia what happened to the rest of the movie and just like, ah, you know, he really didn't care that much at that point. Like he's like, yeah, all right, you know, the movie was okay, but. I, saw, I read what happened. That was it. So I was visiting him. He lives in Las Vegas. I was visiting him. <laughs> um, and it was that, that the Oscars were going to be that weekend. I was like, you really, I, I, I'm not tr- saying this because it's after the fact, you can ask my friend. I had a discussion with him the whole week before leading up to the Oscars that year. I had a very strong feeling that it was going to end up getting best picture because it was the only time that you see these predictions from voters and all sort of stuff. And it's like, people are talking about this. Mm. Like, I think it's going to happen. So I said, you should finish it. Because at that point, it was on VOD. And of course, he finishes the movie. And he's a big Bang Joo-ho fan. He's the one who introduced me to him. Uh, back in, like, the early 2000s or whatever. And he's like, well, and then, then his mind was blown. He's like, no, I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. What I read, it's like, you know, cool, she can't read something. Yeah. yeah. You, have to, <laughs> you have to see it. Um. But yeah, so, like, yeah, that happened to my father. It had, Like, the movie had to stop. And then it's like, I'm not going back. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's like we didn't want to have to go sit through. I mean, we didn't even see much. We just saw the last scene, but we didn't have to go, you know, start a two and a half hour movie with previews now and get home at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but we did end up going the ne- I think the next day or two days later, and I, and um and did end up seeing it. So that was your last entry on there. Yeah, that was my last. Okay, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm so- <laughs> I'm just surprised honestly that it was on there. Um, but I think you had mentioned it. And I don't think you're gonna be surprised by my last one on here, and that's Coda. I think I talked about it last time. Yeah, um, it's a big, it's a big one for a lot of people. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm glad that people like it. I mean, the thing is, is that what concerns me is that I don't know how much attention it'll get because it doesn't feel like enough people have seen it. I think people that watch, you know, films like all the time, like we do, I think they've seen it, but I don't think it really. I don't think it even had a theatrical. Did it have a theatrical release? I don't. Uh, no, because it, it definitely it definitely came out during uh, more of the still kind of in shutdowny COVID type area. Yeah, if I remember so- correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I watched it when I was in Iceland. They sent me a screener, so I stayed up all night watching it. Um, but I, there's something about coming-of-age stories that I'm just so drawn to. And something about Coda was just, it was very authentic. I mean, we know uh, Marley Matten, uh, Matt, is it Matlin or Matt? Matlin, yeah. Matlin. And uh, Tony, I don't remember his last name. I apologize. Um, but there was something just so genuine about it, you know, and I loved, there's just subtleties even, like, Amelia, no, did you see Coda? 
No, that's another one that I never caught up on. Yeah, sorry. Okay, well, then I will. I'll just say that there's a scene where Amelia Jones, her character is Ken, you know, isn't uh, deaf. She's just trying to do homework in a in a house full of people who are deaf. Uh, you know, her brother and her parents are. And there's just something that made me. I was dying laughing while my poor cousin was sleeping in the same room. Uh, where she's <laughs> just trying to do homework, and everybody's just so loud. <laughs> it's like because they don't, they don't, you know. And it's just something like that. It's so funny. And then there's more beautiful things where I thought they used the sound to their advantage or lack thereof. Like yeah. when she's singing and, you know, it's just something so beautiful. I, I guess I don't want to say what it is exactly, but it's just such a it, look, it's it's not in terms of the plot. It didn't reinvent the wheel. You know, it's a very basic coming of age, leaving the bird's nest kind of story. But I don't know. Amelia, Amelia Jones is really great. In it. And I'm, I'm glad that people are enjoying it because it just it's the only movie this year that really made me feel that. I know I said Spider-Man made me feel happy and like a kid, but this really made me feel like heartwarming. Like heartwarming, yeah. you know, it's a heartwarming, charming movie. Um, unlike Power of the Dog, where I just thought about that constantly, Coda was just on my mind in the best way possible. Yeah, well, it's again, I'll I'll end up catching up on it before it before it's too late. But yeah, uh, it's another one that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. Well, like again, I'm glad because when I mention it to people, because you know, people ask me, I don't know if you have this issue. I have this issue where people will ask me, "What's your favorite movie of the year?" And then I say, "Code," and nobody hears it. <laughs> you know, and granted, I'm still yes. in college, so it's not going to be popular. Uh, <laughs> if I say "No Way Home," they'll know, <laughs> or or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, so that's great to hear. You know, I think our lists were great because even though we <laughs> went off on a lot of tangents, I think it's great because we, you know, you introduced me to some things I hadn't heard of or hadn't caught. And I think vice versa, or just things you had maybe not introduced you to it, but now I still got to catch up on. You got to catch up on. So I think that's great. Um, so yeah, 2021 overall, I think was pretty, you know, not the greatest year ever. Um, but I think there was a lot of great things that we all, that we both talked about. And uh, is there anything in 2022? I know I, I'm kind of hitting you with this. I didn't mention this. Anything in 2022, well, you're, you're going off to, uh, to uh, which film festival? I'm, I'm blank. Oh, I'm not. I'm. I'm just doing Sundance from home on the online. Oh, doing Sundance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just doing. I'm just doing it because uh, they're 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 not geo they're not geo catching anything. So you can watch everything at home online. Oh. Well, not everything. You get, I get ten premiere tickets and then fifteen second screenings. So I have twenty five options. Oh. Um, but um, I don't. Here's the thing, I don't know because I very much try not to pay attention because I don't like the, like you as I mentioned. I don't like to know about what's coming out. I want to be surprised. The less I know, the better. Um, so I don't know if I can say there's anything very specifically I'm looking forward to. Um, if they announce certain things, you know, that are like, oh, this person's making a movie or this person's making a movie, I'll be like, oh, I can't wait. But until it like rolls in front of my face, I don't know because I don't want, since I want to be surprised, I don't read the trades. Mm-hmm. I don't really see trailers because I don't really go, you know, the only movies that matter are the screenings. They don't play the trailers there. So it's I don't know. Blessing. I feel so spoiled saying that, but I, I, you know, going to the movies now, I know every time I go, I notice, oh my gosh, it's a half hour, like a full half hour of trailers before whatever movie, even before like, what was it? Venom 2, they showed a half hour of trailers and that movie was 90 minutes. Well, that's what you, that's what you, that's what you end up learning too by doing this is that when you see a runtime of a movie, it technically takes into account trailers and the end credits. So uh, just keep that in mind every time people, you know, when you, you get upset, you say, oh, this movie's two hours and 15 minutes long. It's technically two hours long, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so nothing in particular that then, that then nothing like Nothing I think of, unfortunately. I'm sorry to disappoint uh, no, you there. No, no, you're okay. I mean, I hit you with that out of, out of left field, but at least you you will be seeing the worst person in the world at <laughs> at uh, Sundance, right? Well, I, I could have sw- I was supposed to see that like four months ago. Yeah. And I just, it's something that I decided to skip because I had, something else I had to do. And now it's apparently the best movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, no, some people, <laughs> um, but yeah, 
yeah, no, so that's great. Do you want to talk again about your uh, podcast? Just, you know, plug it a little bit. Well, you can you can find Overdue Rentals at all your favorite podcast locations, Apple, Spotify, Google, Aud- Audible. Um, you know, we, we have uh, some episodes coming out very soon. Like I got two episodes on The Novice, actually. They got delayed a little bit because I had some recording problems, but one of them is going to be going up sometime tomorrow, I think. The other one, hopefully soon, because uh, Isabel's interview got a little messed up and I hopefully can salvage it. Uh, and then, yeah, we got some bunch of stuff coming out where we talk about films that people don't talk about much anymore uh, with people talking about their new films at the same time. <laughs> and uh, do you have any other interviews coming out soon or are you going to do the Macbeth junket? I didn't even hear about it, actually. I don't know if it's fully in plan, but I know it's supposed to be soon, early January. I got the, I got like, I think I got the, um, the like the craft junket thing for that one, but I don't think I got anything else. Because te- technically, while it's in theaters or for people to yeah. see, the release date on it's not the Apple 14th. is like next month or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll look into it. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll try and get. Yeah, I just was. I didn't know if you had any other interviews coming out soon. Or... Uh, I mean, I got some stuff, but um, some stuff still being scheduled. Okay, and where uh, where can I find you on Twitter and Instagram, all that? Uh, you search Instagram at Shallot Stash uh, and or at Overdue Rentals for the show. Uh, Twitter is the same thing. Uh, Twitter is Overdue Rentals Show. I'm sorry, I'm so bad. <laughs> no, you're okay. I mean, and <laughs> funny thing, I when I finally, I just, I'm glad I got your phone number because when I was looking up on Instagram, I always forgot what your name was because <laughs> I would look up your name. I don't think it comes up if I just look up matt or maybe it does i don't know there was something weird i couldn't find it for a while um yeah it's uh because my i originally when i started this i had my own site was called movie reviews from gene shallot's mustache i don't know if you know who gene shallot is he was a film critic back in the uh, 70s and 80s well he also worked up into the 2000s at some point uh and the whole thing is that he has this big bushy mustache (laughs) and he's got this outward personality um, and so my, my idea was that my gimmick was that I drugged Gene Shallot and hid inside his mustache. Like it's movies, <laughs> and that's how I reviewed movies. So that's why I'm a Shallot stash. Okay. Well, I'm glad to have that cleared up because I never, never quite knew what that meant. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening, Matt. Thank you again for your time. Uh, generous time. You spent almost 90 minutes. Thank you for having me. Um, and listening but, to me rant. Yes. No, of course. And you finally came to your, uh, you finally got <laughs> the entry you were looking for. but uh yeah thank you guys so much hopefully another you know hopefully we'll have another episode sometime sooner than later and i'll catch you next time